morning to you and grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing uh, salutation, uh, greeting that is to each one of the, uh, the Pauline epistles. Uh, is this not a great time in which to be alive? This is a great time in which to be alive. More importantly, it is a great and wonderful time in which to be saved, to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that you are His and that He is yours. Uh, what a peace that that provides. What a calmness. What an assurance. What a security that gives us in knowing that we are in Christ, that we are part of the body of Christ, sealed into the day of redemption. Uh, what, a, what a glorious truth uh, that, uh, that is. Knowing that heaven is our home. And until we get there, I think it's phenomenal, it's wonderful, and we kind of hit on this last week, that 1 Corinthians 3.9 tells us that, that we are uh, workers not for God, but with God. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Uh, this week, as I, I thought about that verse even more and, and meditated on that verse, uh, the fact that, that the Holy Spirit uses that preposition with and not for uh, just blesses my heart, blesses my soul knowing that, that we are instruments in the hands of God for His purpose and for uh, his, his plan, that we are, we are laborers together with God. And, and I encourage you to take that literally. I encourage you to, to look at that verse as a verse that, that you apply to your life as, as we faithfully serve Him, that we are, we are laborers together with God, that He invites us not only to know Him, but to work with him, and that is to share with a lost and dying world that Christ is the answer. Uh, the fact that we can be part of that, I think, is a glorious, glorious truth. So, in these troubling times, and I say it's a great time to be alive, but we also have to admit that these are extremely uh, troubling times. Uh, in times like this, it's great to know that, that our God is on his throne, it's great to know that he is in control. Uh, not only is, is by the, the heavens and the universe and the galaxies are all held together by his sustaining power, that's, that's safe to, under, to know that, isn't it? That by him all things are held together, whether it be the planets in their orbit or the, the cells in your body, that, that God holds it all together, um, that he he, he contains uh, everything. Uh, he's put it on its course and we can trust him. Uh, in these troubling times, it's good to know that he's in control. But the thing that I want to talk to you this morning about that he is in control of is the duration of his grace. The duration of this dispensation of the grace of God, how long this period of time the church age is going to last is all in God's control. And the longer it goes does not speak that God is not interested. It speaks of his long suffering. It speaks of his patience. 
It speaks of the fact that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance is what, is what that, that tells us. Uh, but again, it's a great time to be saved. It's a great time to be serving God. But in these troubling times, it's good to know <clears throat> that he is the one who is in charge. Now, from that kind of comes the title of today's sermon because some of you have been asking a question. And the question is, with all of the troubling things that are taking place, uh, whether it be uh, climate, whether it be uh, wars and rumors of wars, uh, what about all of these natural disasters? What about all these occurrences that are happening around the world? Are they God's judgments? Is that what they are? Are they God's judgments? Are these natural disasters, are these earthquakes and the tsunamis and the strange weather conditions, are they messages from God? Uh, and if so, what, what is that message? You know, hardly a week goes by that I don't get something from, from someone, and I appreciate it. I enjoy getting these. I, I enjoy reading these, these things that, that folks send to me. Uh, but hardly a week goes by that I don't get something from, from many of you saying, have you seen this on the news or have you seen this on YouTube? Have you, this is what's happening. You know, what, what do you think of all these things? And, and look at this. Do you, do you think all of these wars, whether it be what's going on in Israel, whether it be something else going on in the Middle East, whether it be something that's happening on another part of the planet that, that seems to fit uh, these perilous times and these difficult times, what do you think about that? Do you think it's an indication of something? And my answer to that is yes. Absolutely, it's an indication that the world is broken and that the Bible is right. That's what all of these things are an indication of. What it's not an indication of is God's wrath being poured out. It's not an indication of God's judgment because, folks, that's coming. And when that comes, people aren't going to be questioning, well, do you really think this is of God? We're going to get to that in a second. They're going to know that it's God. There won't be any question. They're going to know that it's, that it's God. These uh, are, are the things that are happening. Are they warnings from God? Are they part of the last day uh, prophecies, things of that sort? What the things that are happening around the world are, are indications that we live in a broken world that needs the Lord Jesus Christ and that this planet is suffering from the curse. Yes, we live in troubling, troublesome times, but folks, times have always been troubling. There's nothing new under the sun except for one thing. Well, and that is 24-hour news cycle. 24 news cycle, and so we are constantly bombarded with tragedy and and. Uh, conditions that are that cause grief and and when you're bombarded constantly with that it's going to seem as if the world is coming apart at the seams but you know and I and I look at that and I imagine what would have been like if if uh, uh, Rock's news station not Fox but Rock's news station had had uh, been online during Cain and Abel's time and all of a sudden a news 
Castro would have, would have come on and uh, imagine them coming on and standing out in the field and, and saying, uh, this just in, uh, it seems that, Cain, uh, that Abel is missing. Uh, no one seems to know his whereabouts. Uh, uh, we, we have determined that, that uh, foul play is suspected. Uh, when his brother Cain was questioned, he said, what am I, what am, I am I brother's keeper? Uh, you know, more news at 10. We think, oh, wow. Or, or during Noah's time, can you imagine someone out giving a weather report? And it always amazes me where there's a hurricane or there's some kind of disaster coming, especially in hurricanes. You know, it, I, I just have to mute it or, or change the channel when these weather reporters are out during the, the wind is blowing and they've got their wet suit things on and, and you can't even hear them anyway in what they're trying to report, why they feel like they have to be out there and to make that report, just tell us it's raining. Just tell us the winds are blowing at 200 miles an hour. We accept that. But for some reason, they think they have to get out there. But can you imagine if that had happened in Noah's day? And one of the guys had been out there and saying, you know, wanting to report on this boat that, that this man's been working on for 120 years and everybody thinks he's crazy. Um, he, he keeps talking about it's going to do something, but we don't, well, what's that? What, what is, uh, 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 John, back to you in the station, but there's something that seems to be falling from the sky. We're, we, we can't really identify it. We're not sure what, and, uh, and these, these animals seem to be uh, uh, migrating into that. Well, and Noah is welcoming them. He's counting them as they come in. Uh, but it, the rain, something's falling from the sky. It's getting more. Get, all of that going on, and we could have seen it back. They could have seen it back then. Or 10, or 10, or 10, or 10, or Moses sending the spies in. I mean, the Bible is just full of things that have occurred that if there had been 24-hour news cycle that they were having to fit something into, it would have been pretty strange. See, the bottom line is the world has always been, since the curse was pronounced in dire circumstances, and what all the things that happen today speak of is the fallen condition of man and the brokenness of this planet. And the fact that man has been separated from God because of sin and needs to be reconciled to him. The world has never been a safe place except for a brief time in the garden when Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. And today, the only safe place is in Christ. That's the only place where we have that assurance. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This morning, Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself, the creation, but the creature itself 
also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Why is there so much distress? Why is there so much ugliness and, and, and vileness that goes on in the world? Another word for that is corruption. Delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. The world, since the fall, has suffered from this corruption, has suffered from this from this curse and all the natural occurrences all the things that are taking place uh, whether it be uh, natural disasters or uh, it, I, I remember when the twin trade towers got got bombed I mean they were uh, all you would hear about is that's God's judgment on this country that's God's judgment uh, or you let something disastrous happen anywhere in the world and it's God's that's God's judgment that's God's judgment no it's not God's judgment Again, when God's judgment is poured out, believe me, no one is going to be wondering, is it God's judgment? All these natural occurrences, although they are disasters, are due to the world's fallen condition that the earth is broken by sin. And each time something dreadful happens, folks, it's not God sending forth a message other than this, mankind needs a savior mankind needs the lord desperately desperately in need of grace desperately in need of mercy it's not god's judgment because right now we need to understand god is silent heaven is silent you ever want to read a good book Read uh, Sir Robert Anderson's book on the silence of God. He was a great dispensationalist. Understood the word rightly divided, and boy, what a scholar he was. He was also the head of Scotland Yard. So this guy was no dummy. He's written a book called The Silence of God. And in that book, he talks about the fact that heaven is silent. And while heaven is silent... We are in the day of salvation. We are in this grace that we are, we are, not, to, we are not to misdiagnose or, or misinterpret the fact that heaven is silent and we don't hear from God in a demonstrative way as they, uh, during the Old Testament. It's because we're in the dispensation of, God, of grace. We're in the time uh, of, that now is the day of salvation, according to Paul's uh, writings to the church in, in Corinth. Heaven is silent because God is long-suffering, because God is not willing that any should perish. Uh, make no mistake that the silence of God is not an indication of his lack of interest. It's an indication of his long-suffering. It's, long it's, it's an indication of his grace and the redemption that's offered to all who will but believe in the finished and complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For again, when the Lord starts pouring out his wrath, 
when all the things that start occurring in the day of the Lord, uh, that people are going to know that it is that it is the Lord Himself that's doing all of those all of those things. Um, it's during this period of time, which I'm glad we're alive during this time when now is the day of salvation. That God's grace has been extended. That His mercy knows no bounds. His great love, which was demonstrated on the cross, is also a demonstration of His love. But I'll tell you something else that's a demonstration of His love and His caring and His mercy. And that is the fact that heaven is silent. That we are still in this dispensation of the grace of God. And salvation is being offered to lost man because God is not willing that any should perish. That's what Peter was explaining to the scattered tribes in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, especially verse 4 and verse 9. They, they asked Peter, uh, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Where is he coming? You know, there's going to be scoffers and there are going to be those that question. And you hear that type of thing all the time. What does Peter say? that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any, that any includes the Gentiles. Later on in that same chapter, Paul is going to talk about the things that are hard for them to understand, and the things that it's hard for them to understand are the things that they were hearing from the Apostle Paul. But God's not willing that any, including the Gentiles, should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What Peter is talking about that to those of Israel that have been scattered, to the nation of Israel he's speaking, and they're wanting to know, well, where's the Lord? And he's talking to believers. He's talking to those who, who believe that Christ is the Messiah, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. They want to know what's happened. And Peter's telling them, Hey, what's happened is God is not slack concerning His promises. What He said He's going to do, He's going to do. But God is not willing that any should perish. So by grace, He has extended the offer of redemption to Gentiles and to Jews apart from the nation of Israel. That's what that's all about. See, keep this in mind. This is interesting. Tim, put up verse, uh, is it 11? or 12, where it talks about the fact that uh, our brother Paul has, has written to them of things. Uh, what's verse 10? I uh, know it's, uh, but, but what is it? 15. Put verse 15 up there. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation... Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, the only time we have Paul writing to them who were Hebrews is the book of Hebrews. So whether Paul wrote that, we don't know. But Peter's talking about the fact that there are some things that are hard for them to understand what Paul had written to them. And remember, in Luke 24, the Lord had opened their, their eyes, He had opened their heart, so that they understood all Scripture, 
all scripture concerning the promise of the kingdom, all scripture concerning their job as, uh, as uh, the apostle to the nation, apostles to the nation of Israel. So they understood all scripture. And on the day of Pentecost, man, they were preaching it. Uh, uh, di- during that time of when the kingdom was, was being offered, that the time of refreshing was being uh, introduced and, and, and promoted, boy, they understood what was happening. But all of a sudden, there, where is the signs of his coming? Why isn't he here? Well, there's some things that's kind of hard for us to understand, according to Peter, who'd had his eyes opened by the Lord, but there's been a change. What was that change? God is not willing that any should perish. And so salvation is being offered during this day of grace. Because once the day of the Lord starts, oh my, oh my, it's going to be something else. But God is providing opportunity for those to come to Christ, to believe and place their faith in him during this time so you hear people all the time say well if if God would just if he would just show himself if he would just just in a miraculous way uh heal the sick let's say if 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 God would just show his power and he would heal the sick oh but I, I know if he'd make the blind to see oh if he really wants to show that God is real, if he would just make the lame to walk, if he would walk on water, why, then we would know that God is real. If he would just show us. Hey, I have an idea. If he were to come downtown St. Louis and feed 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish, why, wow, that would be incredible. And we would believe, the world would believe. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. The world would still reject. Even when God showed himself and all of the miracles that Christ performed were signs to Israel that here is your Messiah. Believe that God is working, that God is doing his thing. Even in the Old Testament, when when God worked through Moses and he parted the Red Sea, it wasn't long after that that they were complaining because they didn't have Decent water to drink. And God provided decent water by adding a tree to that was that bitter water. And it cleared up and they were able to drink. And it wasn't long after that that they started complaining about food. And when God provided the food, it wasn't long because they, start, they started complaining about something else. God showed himself through wonders and miracles and signs that he was great Jehovah. And they would go, yeah, right on for a short period of time. Folks, If the Lord were to show himself today, right now, this very moment, to a world, they would try to devise a way to crucify him again. That's no doubt. They would try to contrive a way to eradicate that influence. Why, how dare he come and tell us that we need him? But I'm here to tell you that God is still at work. And every time you hear of a sinner that understands that he's a sinner, that he is lost, and that he needs salvation, and his life is drastically, dramatically, wonderfully changed, God is at work. And that's 
That's the miracle during this dispensation of grace, during this period of time that we embrace and that we praise God for. While God is silent, we are in, or while heaven is silent, we are in this age of grace and we rejoice. It means that this dispensation of grace is going to continue until the rapture of the church. When the rapture of the church takes place, oh my, Katie, bar the door. We sing about grace. As a matter of fact, could you tell what we were preaching on this morning with the songs that we were singing? It talks about God's marvelous, marvelous grace. That grace is first mentioned in Noah's day that even Noah had to find grace in the eyes of God in order for God to save him. Uh, the first indication of grace, let me tell you, was in the garden itself. When Adam and Eve, when Adam sinned and Adam rebelled, what was, and, and they were naked, they, before they were naked and they weren't ashamed, and now they realize they're naked, and God said, who told you you're naked? Well, it was kind of obvious. I'm sure they thought, what did God do? in order to cover that nakedness, to cover that shame, because it was an absolute indication that they had done what? Or Adam, in particular, had rebelled against God. What did God do to cover their nakedness? He killed, slaughtered a lamb in order for them to be covered with those skins. That was grace. God could have saved himself a whole lot of trouble if he'd have just said, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of you two. But see, God had a purpose. God had a purpose. By, 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 what he's going to do through this body is going to be praise unto him for all eternity. But it was God's grace that caused the death of that animal to be a covering for their sin. What a picture. What a type. So we preach about grace because Paul calls this the dispensation of the grace of God. He, he, and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The Gentiles he calls 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 this period of time when heaven is silent the dispensation of the grace of God. Look at Ephesians 3, start with verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation. He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles, who were alienated without hope, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs 
of the joint body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That was all hid in God, that it was going to be by grace, that salvation was going to be offered to the Gentiles, that there was going to be a joint body made up of Jew and Gentile, and that when Israel rejected, when the nation said, we're not going to have this man to reign over us, when the leaders and the elders, uh, both spiritual and governmental leaders of of Israel said, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want him. There was something hid in God. Ordered for mankind to be saved. See, that's what, that's what we preach. It's what we teach concerning that matchless grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Acts 20, verse 24, Paul talks about that enormous ministry that had been given to him concerning the gospel of the grace of God. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's our calling too, folks. And this grace that we proclaim, this grace that we preach, all has to do with that calling as the ministers of the word of reconciliation. And at the heart of that whole mystery, at the, whole, at the heart of that, that calling to testify of the gospel of the grace of God is this, Romans 5.20. Oh, my, how thankful. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded read that to me wow grace did much more abound where sin abounded grace did much more abound isn't that a message worth carrying to a world that needs to hear Grace, unmerited favor, something that we don't deserve, something that that Noah really didn't deserve, if you want to get right down to it, something that Adam and Eve really didn't deserve. What grace is all about is that man in his fallen condition from the beginning until this very moment has not deserved that unmerited favor. And God's love and mercy He extends grace. And this period of time that we're in right now is it's called the dispensation of the grace of God. The emphasis during this church age, the emphasis during this time in which we live is God's amazing grace. More sin abounds. Grace much more abounds. Absolutely. When you stop and think about it, when in in Acts chapter 7, when the rulers of Israel and the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they surrounded Stephen, 
and he preached God's word to them. He told them exactly what was wrong with them. They were hard-hearted. They were evil to the core. And as he talked to them about the Lord Jesus, God's chosen nation, Israel, the spiritual leaders, as Stephen, a man who uh, to look upon him was to look upon an angel. He was glowing. He had the countenance of an angel. And he was letting them have it. And what did they do? Oh, we, we need to turn from our wicked ways. We, we need to quit doing this. They picked up stones. And they stoned him. And then when he said that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, they really rushed at him in order to destroy him. And folks, what's interesting about that, and I challenge you, is to search the Scriptures. And every time the Lord is standing, every time, it's in judgment. It's in judgment. See, we, we find that when Christ ascended, what did, he sit, what did he do? He sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Sitting denotes peace. Sitting denotes, denotes rest. And Christ ascended and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The next time we hear about him, he is standing. And Israel is being judged. And the next thing on the prophetic agenda, Peter had already preached about it in Acts chapter 2. Peter had already told him that was the beginning of the tribulation. Peter had already told him that this was the beginning of the day of the Lord. And knowing the day of the Lord is going to be when God just pours out his wrath, especially in the last three and a half years, they, God was telling them this is what's, you know, that's what's coming. Peter was telling them this is what was coming as the Holy Spirit moved on them. And boy, with the stoning of Stephen, you see him seeing the Lord standing. This thing about that was Christ standing to receive the first martyr has nothing to do with receiving the first martyr. It has to do with judgment. God's wrath about to fall according to prophecy. There was something hidden in God. There was a mystery that none of the apostles, that none of the Old Testament saints, that no one knew about because it was hid in God, that God wanted all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There was a mystery that was all about God's not willing that any should perish so by His amazing grace, not based on a covenant relationship with anyone, not based on a covenant relationship with Abraham or Moses or David, God's promises will occur. What God's promised, He is going to perform. But during this present time, God suspended, God set the nation of Israel aside, he included Israel in unbelief, just like he had done the Gentiles back in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel. He included the Jews, the nation of Israel, in unbelief so that he could have mercy on all. And what does mercy speak of? 
grace. Grace. God's grace. Wonderful, amazing, glorious grace. Unmerited favor. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve. Mercy is not receiving what we do. Grace and peace. Every one of Paul's epistles, he opens with that salutation. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. When you compare that to what was next in line according to prophecy, war and judgment, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And during this time, heaven is silent, and when, as long as heaven is silent, all of those things, matter of fact, real quick, turn with me to Revelation. Revelation chapter 11, first time. Revelation 11. This is during the day of the Lord. The church, we're gone. We've been raptured. This is the day of the Lord when, when the, the, the trumpet judgments are being uh, taking place and the vile judgments are about to, about to take place. Revelation chapter 11 I think it's verse 20. No, that's not the right one. Oh, uh, 9. Revelation 9, verse 20. Revelation 9, 20. The sixth trumpet has sounded, and the sixth angel is poured out He's loosed the four angels, which were in the great river Euphrates, these demonic spirits. And men are killed, and it's horrible death. Verse 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and the wood which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Isn't that amazing? They, and, and that's the sixth trumpet. There's already been five before that, all of them as uh, demonstrative as this one, that heaven is no longer silent. And as that was taking place, those that remained still didn't repent. They still didn't give God the glory. Look at Revelation uh, 16. Revelation 16. Unless I've written that down. You have the fifth vial that's just been poured out. You've already gone through six trumpets. The seventh trumpet contains the seven vials of the seven bowls of wrath. 
And the fifth vial has just been poured out. And folks, read those if you want to see what it's going to be like when heaven is no longer silent. And God from heaven is speaking and pouring out his judgment. Verse 11, all of that has taken place. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they repented not of their deeds. It's because man is lost because of the curse. If God would just show himself real, I'm telling you folks, even when he shows himself to be so real, when he shows himself to be powerful, when he shows himself to be in charge, man is still going to deny him or curse him. And because of that fallen nature, because of that condition, God in His infinite mercy and grace saves us. He does His work in our life and He changes us. We are sinners saved by grace. If nothing else this morning, I want you to feel special. I want you to feel as if the hand of Almighty God has touched you because He has. That the Holy Spirit has convicted you because He has. And you understood because you'd heard the gospel. And at some point in your life, the gospel took seed. And by faith you understood this was real. And you understood that God is not willing that any should perish. That God, is, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so much so that He paid that price, He paid that debt in order that we might have life everlasting. But not just life everlasting, to have that special relationship with Him that God intended us to have as we, He makes us members of the body of Christ. But as you feel special, also remember this. You're a saved sinner, right? You're a saved sinner. And it's by His matchless grace. And this morning, if you've never trusted Christ, I want you to know that the offer of salvation is still extended. Heaven is silent. How much longer? I don't know. But heaven is silent. And what that means, again, is not that God's not interested. It's not that he's turned his back and gone, I, I, don't really, I don't care about that. Because God is not willing that any should perish. And he's extending his grace to the vilest of sinner. Because the next thing after... Stephen was stoned, chapter 7. Chapter 8, what happens? We're introduced to the chief of sinners. Chapter 9, what do we have? The chief of sinners, by grace, being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? If you can't see the picture there of what God's intent was, that surprised Saul of Tarsus. That just speaks of God's matchless grace.
And if anybody could have written this song that Tim's about to play, it was probably the Apostle Paul. Listen to this song as the Gaither Trio sings, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace, but especially that second verse. Oh, man. That second verse is powerful. You could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see A miracle of love that took me In its sweet embrace And made me what I am today just an old sinner say by
about that. Is yes, you need to see yourself as a sinner saved by grace. Do you know how your heavenly father sees you? In Christ. A saint. Righteous. I know what I am. But that doesn't matter. It's how he sees me. In his son. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, how we thank you this morning. That while we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace, we thank you for that position seated with you in the heavenlies this very moment, sealed, secure, and saintly. Father, how thankful we are this morning that you look beyond our faults. And you saw our need and your promise to meet our need according to your riches and glory. Oh, Father, we didn't realize that that would go as far as your son. We thank you for that. And we praise you for that. And Father, may we see ourselves not only as the saints of God and brothers and sisters in Christ, but as the army of God that is called to be soldiers, to be witnesses, to be ministers, to be ambassadors, to be laborers together with you. Father, may we see that clearly. And as we depart this morning, may we understand that awesome calling on our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and precious name that name that's above all other names, the name of Christ Jesus, who's Lord of all. Amen.